May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We've just had Christmas, and we've just given out presents to all of our loved ones and received gifts. Now, I want you to remember, some of us, it's, we've just done it, but some of us, it's a little bit further back. A time when we were giving gifts to children, either our own children or nieces or nephews or wonderful kids that we knew. And you spent a long time buying the perfect gift. And you wrapped it up in that great box and you handed it to that child. And you couldn't wait till they opened it. And the kid was so excited. And they ripped the paper off the box. And then they ripped that box open. And then they ripped the present out of the box and threw it away and played with the box. And no matter what you did, no matter how much you told them how great that present was, they didn't care. They wanted to play with the box. And you could whine and you could complain about how expensive the gift was and how wonderful the gift was and how you had to fight Black Friday people tooth and nail to get that gift. And all they want to do is play with that box. Eric and I, when the girls were about two and four, filled a lifelong dream of mine and got the girls this giant play school playhouse. It was pink and white, and it had furniture inside. Kelly's nodding her head, yeah. It had fold-out furniture inside, and it had shutters that opened and closed, and it was huge. And at the time, we were living in a double-wide mobile home in a, a house, which was nice. But it only had one living room. It was a nice-sized living room, but it only had one living room. It was in the middle of winter. So we, being the world's greatest parents, decided we would set it up in the living room and let the girls play with it all winter. And that was great. It sat in the corner in the living room. This perfect, pristine playhouse. And it stayed pristine because the girls played with the box next to it the whole winter. They didn't want the playhouse at all. They wanted the box. They drew on the box and they dragged the box around until the box was ripped to shreds. And we finally, with girls with their tears and their eyes falling down their face, said, we have to take the box out of the house. Play with the playhouse. Sometimes people forget that the box isn't the present. And that's what's happened to Epiphany. We've heard the story of the three wise men and that they bring these gifts. And we've argued over how many magi were there. And is it magi over wise men? And were the wise men actually king? And were there three or were there more? Were the magi actually men or were they women? And were they, oh, what's the word, Zoroastrian? Or were they were not Zoroastrian? And did they come two years? Did they come earlier? Did they come later? What exactly did they bring? Was it really myrrh? And what, how much gold was it? We forget that the whole purpose of the Magi coming was to let the world know that God was incarnate into the world. That's what epiphany means in the church. We are celebrating that God is incarnate in the world. That is epiphany. That's the present 
But we're so worried about the box that is the Magi and that they follow the star and they came to give the gifts that we forget that the gift that they came to honor is that God is incarnate in the world. And that they love that the God is incarnate in the world, that they traveled probably over a year or so to find and to honor that God is incarnate in the world. And that they didn't care what faith God was, that they were willing to honor it. And that's what Epiphany is important about, is that God came for all people. And that God became incarnate in the world, not just for the Jewish nation, but for all people in the world. And that's what's important about the story of Epiphany. Epiphany isn't even celebrated on the same day for all Christians. For Western Christians, which is what Protestants fall under, it's celebrated on this day. But for Eastern um, Christians, Orthodox Christians, it's fall... Epiphany falls on the baptism of Christ. They celebrate it when God calls down and says, this is my son, the beloved, and the dove comes down. That's when they say the world knew that God was incarnate in the world. So it's not the event. It's not all the wrapping. It's not all the splendor and the glitter. When you see the wise men you see them, they're rich with their robes and they're rich with their riches. And we kind of forget that they're wrapped in all of this. And the, the lowly baby in the, the straw cradle, that's actually the gift. That's the, impre- that's the present that we worry about. That's what's important. When I was looking at this and I'm um, getting ready for Christmas, I was thinking, how many times do I wrap a present and I make sure, Eric laughs at me, I make sure that every corner is absolutely perfect and the crease on top has to be perfect. And I'm one of those that makes sure that I fold everything perfect because if the paper shows, I'm insane. And I have been banned from using certain ribbons because I glittered my entire family. And they had glitter in their hair and stuff for weeks after Christmas because I made my own bows one year and glitter bombed my entire family. So I'm not allowed to do that. But I thought that was amazing. Under my tree, it looked like a Dickensian Christmas. Everything was perfect. I took pictures. I took pictures of my family standing by the tree. I took pictures before. I took pictures after. I was so impressed with what the presents looked like. I didn't care what was in it. Don't we sometimes do that? When we dress up our kids and stuff as the, the three kings, we want them to look rich and we want them to look sumptuous. And then when they get up by the baby Jesus, we're like, yeah, that's kind of an afterthought. We just wanted to make sure all the presents they carried were perfect. we got to remember that the whole purpose of Epiphany is the Christ child. The whole purpose of Epiphany is that we are celebrating that God is incarnate in our world. And what does that mean? It means that we have hope and we have love and that no matter what is happening in our world, our church can be going through the hardest time in the world. 
We can be arguing amongst ourselves what is theologically right and what is theologically wrong, and it doesn't matter because we actually have Christ in our lives. Our world can be once again on the brink of war with Iran, which seems to be almost a yearly event. And it doesn't matter because we have Christ in our lives. When you have Christ in your life, you have something to rely on. You have hope. You have peace in your heart. And you know that you have a foundation in your life that is unbreakable. I'm going to say something that I hate to say because I like to talk about hope and joy and peace, and especially in the very beginning of the year. But we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is not perfection. We live in a world that has broken away from God, and we know that. That's the reality of our existence. So we have to count on something that is stronger than the world that we live in. And that is that we have an incarnational Christ that is there for us. And because we have Christ that lives for us and died for us and was reborn for us, we have something that's more powerful than every evil that's in this world. And we need that in our lives. We need that in our children's lives. We need that in the life of not only us and our family, but we need that in the lives of our country, in our church, in our world. So when we say our prayers, we know that we're not just saying our prayers like so many people say to the universe. But we're saying our prayers to our God that not only is up there, but is down here in the trenches with us. That our God knows our pain and knows our loves and knows our fear. That's an incarnational God. And that is Jesus Christ. And on this epiphany, on a weekend where we not only got the news that our church has figured out a way to divorce from itself, and on a weekend where our country once more got the news that 3,000 more troops are going into the Middle East, that we know we have an incarnational God that loves us so much that they call, he came into our world so that he can be there for us and that he's never leaving us. John 14 says, I will never leave you alone. You will always have me there. I will never leave you orphaned. You will always have me there. I leave you with my Holy Spirit, I will leave you. I will love you. I will never leave you orphaned. That is the promise. That is the gift. That is the hope. That is when Christ says, peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you. That is the love of an incarnational Christ. Amen.